Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinbart. I'm Lead Advisor and Senior Analyst with Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Annie Bailey. She is an analyst working on a variety of topics, including emerging technologies. And we want to pick up on a topic that we covered earlier already. Hi, Annie. Good to see you. Hi, Matthias. Thanks for having me back. It's great to have you back. And it's great also to have you back for this topic, which we covered in late summer of 2020 once already. And we want to give an update and want to show what has changed in that in that area. We want to talk about privacy and concept management. And that is based on the fact that you just published an update to the Leadership Compass um, document around this topic, privacy and concept management, just this week. Um, from a definition point of view, what do we need to think of when we talk about privacy and concept management? Yeah, so this is one of those terms where you could spin it in a lot of different ways. You know, privacy is um, so much in the public discourse that um, it doesn't really have a concrete definition anymore. Um, so I thought it might be useful to get us all on the same page um, before we talk any more about it. So the way at least I've defined privacy and consent management in this most recent report, um, it's, um, of course, considering organizations and it's their administrative and, and governance capabilities over data privacy within their organization. And of course, the tools and the solutions that are there to make that happen. Um, so you could think of it then in a um, simplified manner about the capabilities that such a tool or a solution would have. Um, so the first group of capabilities would then to be able to manage any incoming signals about privacy and consent. So these are things like being able to manage cookies and trackers that are on websites, um, being able to uh, accept and then implement those consent or preference choices that an end user would make. And that would be over the range of different channels. So on a smart TV, on a mobile device, on a website, um, over the phone, via email, um, in-person interactions as well. Um, should be considered. So that's all about managing the incoming signals. But what's also very important as well is the organization's ability to take care of their own internal management of privacy. So being able to govern sensitive data, which is in the organization and private data, um, being able to document their steps towards compliance, and um, something which is a buzzword in, in this most recent report is being able to operationalize privacy. Okay. Um, when we look at this leadership compass from the, the, the document format, you are comparing different products, the services of different vendors, and we get to this comparison charts and we need to understand which vendor is good at what. And especially also when we look at this updated version of this, of this leadership compass, what has changed over time? Who has improved? Who has, um, who has drastically changed their offerings, et cetera? Um, when we, when you look at the market and you look back on the two editions of this leadership Compass. Um, what has changed? What 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 are the changes in the market that you can observe that you want to share with uh, with us? Yeah. So this is um, an especially dynamic market area. Things are always changing, and so we can see some pretty marked changes between um, the report which which published um, eighteen months ago or so, and the one that which 
just came out this week. Um, and that's in the, the types of vendors that were interested in participating. Um, so what we saw in the last report were a lot of vendors that really focused on being able to manage those incoming signals. So being very focused on cookie management, on being able to um, collect consents and preferences and make sure that those are all um, able to be um, implemented in, in the many different connected systems within an organization and all the downstream vendors that that may impact was very focused on this, this incoming um, flow of information from end users. Um, and what we saw, which was different in this report, is that there are more vendors that are really focused on um, data governance and using that as a foundation for privacy. So being able to um, operationalize and take action um, within the organization to um, to further their privacy goals. And so um, we can think of that as, as an example. So being able to identify a privacy weakness of some sort in a process um, and then from that same administrative screen, then be able to do something to address that weakness. Um, I guess we could go into more concrete details of, on what that could be. So, you know, if there was a scan done on a database and that scan returns um, the, the notification that there is private information in this database, um, there would then be the chance to leverage automation to go and anonymize those sensitive fields. So you're then connecting information about the status of privacy in the organization with an action to then improve it. So that was um, something uh, that we noticed among several of the vendors that they're moving more in this direction. Um, and that also uh, does connect back to the relationship between the end user and the organization. So there was a big focus on being able to provide um, support for uh, data subject requests and being able to process those. So in the same way of operationalizing privacy, if a consumer then submits a data subject request, the administrator would then be able to scan and automatically compile a report containing their personal information um, rather than needing to do that manually. Right. But if you look at the market of, of these products and they provide these products or services um, globally, of course, internationally, they cover the, the whole globe as their market. Um, when we look at the changing privacy and consent requirements that we see, I think this is also a challenge for the vendors, for the service providers to, to, to catch up with what, what is happening. And we as analysts, we're looking at these changing privacy regulations, laws around the world in different regions. Is this something that they can deal with, that they catch up with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and frankly, this is really hard to stay up to date with because um, given our very globalized um, uh, presence on the internet and um, connection with consumers all around the world, um, many organizations do have to stay up to date with the regulations that are not just for their own um, jurisdiction and the and the region where they reside, but they have to pay attention to where their customers are, where any of their downstream suppliers or, um, you know, MarTech uh, uh, partners may reside and where this data is moving. So they have to be aware of a much wider um, legal domain than they've been used to before. 
Um, and as I mentioned before, this is a really dynamic space. Um, and part of that is because there are many privacy regulations which are being released all around the world. Um, so this is something that we've identified as, as a really key capability in, in privacy um, and consent management tools is that um, having some uh, basis, some uh, support from legal experts um, in-house to be able to keep up with all of these changing regulations and be able to pass that knowledge down to their customers is a really valuable thing. Absolutely. In, a, in an earlier episode, we talked briefly about the risk of that comes with third-party cookies. Is this something that these solutions also look at and where they might help? Because in general, we consider them as privacy intruding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was quite interesting. It was it was rather de-emphasized by a lot of vendors that the that the phasing out of third-party cookies um, is not going to uh, completely disrupt. Um, the industry. So that could be, you know, a strategic cho choice to de-emphasize de that on, on their part, or um, we'll have to see. But yes, this is, um, there will be a phasing out of third-party cookies, um, but it could lead to some really interesting um, repercussions, which um, would be then the emphasis on first-party cookies. So a more direct relationship between the service provider and um, the end user. Right. And now that we, if you take that step back as an analyst and say, okay, okay, I have this edition that came out 18 months ago and the research then covers two years ago or something like that. So, and now you have this insight into the market as of now. Um, if you now take your crystal ball and say, okay, what do you expect from the market to do, say, for the next 18 months or, the, or for the next two years? What, where's the market moving? What do you expect to happen? Yeah. So, um, I do expect some of these trends to solidify. Um, and one of those trends that I think we're going to be seeing much more of is uh, data governance and connecting this with automation. Um, and again, this, this shift and, and more prominence that we've seen from data governance in this space, um, I think that's going to gain momentum. Um, Data has, has really emerged as the foundation of privacy. And this is in contrast to where the conversation was going um, two years ago or so, where identity was really considered a foundation of privacy. And that's still very, very true. Um, but what we've seen is that in this market in particular, um, those vendors which have strong data governance capabilities are really very, very competitive. Um, and where it's shaking out to, to be um, offering uh, protections around the data, uh, private data itself, regardless of who it belongs to, rather than framing that conversation around um, protecting the, the data of known individuals, of those that you are able to identify. Um, so I think we're gonna see that trend solidify more and we'll of course see identity as a foundation for privacy in other areas like decentralized identity um, and that could be very very interesting um, as these two areas then begin to collide again as we start to think about the the privacy and consent of not only consumers but of employees and of partners um, of suppliers of other stakeholders that are interacting with an organization 
And that's probably where we're going to see identity come back into this conversation as perhaps decentralized um, means of sharing a verified identity uh, come into play. So right. it'll be interesting. So <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about functionality, about being compliant to regulations, to making sure that everything happens as the privacy regulations and laws require. Um, if we do the tests um, for ourselves and go to a website and try to um, change data, try to um, to issue a data access request, that can be cumbersome. That can be, yeah, very well hidden. Um what do you think would, what will happen when it comes to user experience for somebody who really wants to execute their, their privacy, yeah, their rights in privacy and try to get access to the data, to change data, to have data deleted? Is this something that they're looking at as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, what this report does, it, it, it focuses focuses very much on the ability of the organization to facilitate um, privacy, to be able to both collect the information that they need about end users to be able to conduct their marketing, be able to conduct um, many of their, their internal actions. But I don't think there are many who would, who would say that as an end user, you know, entering uh, or yeah, accessing a website and being presented with a cookie consent form, that's not, um, that doesn't inspire uh, confidence in uh, the privacy actions. It's a it's a cumbersome step and it's not really a meaningful privacy experience. Um, and so what's hopeful and especially with, with the trigger of the de decrease of third-party cookies being used, um, that one-to-one -one or d direct relationship between um, the consumer and whatever um, service provider they're uh, trying to be in contact with um, that information that the service provider is actually wanting to collect from an end user will be much more transparent. Um, and so, because there's not um, hundreds um, of other uh, requests from other third parties about information to be collected. Um, so it's going to be really clear who wants what and what the, the stakes of that relationship are. Hopefully, at least much more clear than it has been in the past. Um, and so hopefully, as that becomes a more relationship-based collection of personal information, um, that's hopefully going to spur some innovative change for how that consent is actually collected. So it's not such an invasive, um, uninspiring uh, experience. We've talked about the, the, the areas that you looked at. We talked about how the market is evolving. Of course, in the end, we want to have a short peek on um, what are the vendors? What is this market like? Is this something of the usual players? Are there startups? What are the leaders that you could identify? Just to name a few, not as an endorsement, just to show what are the results uh, when you executed the, this, this, this leadership um, compass um, assessment. Yeah. Yeah. So this um, this is very exemplary then of a, of a really dynamic market space because we've got some um, some vendors who have been around a while, um, you know, some some public, some private, some um, startups, some monsters, some very small um, competitors. So it's it's a really um, mixed bag here. Um, so we've got um, uh, vendors like. One trust um, like 
one welcome. They've got a more um, identity-focused approach here. Um, uh, vendors like Sirenus um, and they're um, kind of more in the consent management platform directed, very focused on those those um, incoming signals, but branching out into developing more nuanced um, internal management capabilities. Uh, vendors like TrustArc that are known names in the space. Um, and then startups like security, which are um, really at the forefront of this data governance um, uh, role that's uh, now playing in privacy and consent management. Right. So um, if we look at the leadership compass, you're looking also at this different um, dimensions where to where these um, vendors as players can take different positions, though you're looking at leadership in with regards to innovation, to market um, relevance, but also um, to get to some some, some the, the, the completeness of the solutions or the product leaders and the overall leaders. So everyone who's really interested in in learning more about that market and trying to uh, identify potential solutions for looking further um, um, into um, identifying the right um, product, the right vendor for the individual use case, I would highly recommend just to go to our website. You've mentioned it's just published, so the new version is available. It can be accessed with our test subscription, with our subscription, which is uh, very easy to get and really affordable. Um, so this is something where you they could get access to your um, document and, and I really would highly recommend that for everybody who's interested in adding more functionality around um, privacy and consent management um, to their services. And they should, I, I assume. Any, any final comments from your side before we close down? This was really interesting, but what, what, what are your final words here? Yeah, I, I mean, the privacy space is such an interesting area to be working in. So I'm... Um, always really interested to be having the conversations with vendors and um, hear how they're approaching it. But I think the, the conversation is really going to continue to change um, in the next couple of years. And we've, um, we've come to a point where, where in a way, at least in it, at the private individual level where privacy is, is kind of demanded by individuals um, as a, as a constant ideal state. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily correct. It, it should definitely be a default state. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that an individual's um, privacy is respected, but um, that's a default state until the relationship has developed to the point that both parties are agreeing to transact on more personal terms. Um, and what's really important is that we're both parties and have the agency to withdraw from that relationship. Um, and, be able to move into that um, that private default state again. Um, so this um, this agency in privacy is something that um, I think should be emphasized more in the future, rather than um, kind of putting up the barriers of of privacy as a constant state. So that'll be interesting to see then how um, vendors are responding to that and being able to enable that in a, in a really meaningful way with the experiences that end users um, can trust. And of course, eventually then the employees and the partners and being able to spread that into other types of um, uh, identities and, and um, entities. Yeah, great summary. And also brings us back to why we are actually doing this. It's, it's really to respect the privacy and to get to this, as you said, default state, which should be then, yeah, the, the full set of privacy, the full, in best case, anonymity there. Um, mm -hmm. 
Thank you very much, Annie, for joining me today. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation as the market evolves, as regulations evolve, as services evolve. And uh, for the time being, thank you very much for being my guest today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the great conversation. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.